You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, a few years ago in our society, it seems like to me that it was kind of famous to talk about a bucket list. And I think it's maybe because there was a movie maybe called The Bucket List. A bucket list is a list of things that you want to do before you kick the bucket. So I don't know if you have a bucket list or not. I don't really think that I have one. I don't have this list of things that I want to do. But my mother-in-law has just turned 81. And she has a bucket list. And I think it's because she's afraid that as she gets older, maybe she won't be as mobile as she is now. And she's concerned that at some point, she won't be able to go and do some things she wants to do. And so... This past summer, my wife and one of her sisters got together and they took this trip with their mom and they started checking things off of her bucket list. I I don't really find a lot of pleasure in seeing sights like some people do. Like I've never been to the Grand Canyon until a couple of months ago and I didn't really plan to go. I just happened to be there. But I'll be honest with you, when I saw it, I thought, wow, I can see why they call this place grand. I mean, it was it was unreal. But I got to think that when we think about a bucket list, it's got to include more than just seeing some sights or jumping out of an airplane with a parachute on your back. I got a feeling if you and I had a real heart-to-heart conversation this morning about what you want to see happen before you die, I think for those of you who are parents would say it has a lot to do with my kids. I want to see my kids walking with God. I think there's a lot of you who would say, I've got family members and I've got friends and I've got neighbors who live beside me and there's people that I work with who don't know Jesus. And if there's some things that I'm going to see before I die, I want to see those people come to know Jesus. That's important to me. I walked in the room this morning for first service and this is our first Sunday out of combined services in July. And I loved those. And I loved coming in the room. And it was just completely full. And I walked in this morning. I thought to myself, first I thought, wow, I kind of wish we could always worship together. And then my second thought, which I think was much better, was this. Why don't we just fill the room up both times every Sunday? With people that you love, that you care about, people that you want to see come to know Jesus. I wonder if I'm looking at anybody right now who would say, Rick, if I'm going to think about what I want to see happen before I die or what I want to accomplish, I wonder how many of you would say to me, I want to go deeper with God. I just want to know the Lord more. When I pray, I want it to be different than it is today. I want to feel a closeness with God like I've never felt in my life. I want to go deeper. So Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I think the challenge that we have in front of us today as we spend a few more minutes together is to come to understand what it is that Jesus means when He says, People with a pure heart, they get to see God. What does he mean by that? So I closed last Sunday's sermon from Hebrews and we talked about how the Word of God 
uncovers or reveals the thoughts and the attitudes of a man's heart. And so when I was studying for that sermon, I felt like I just had so much I couldn't say. And I decided to hang on one more Sunday and talk a little while today about the heart, okay? So go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. I'll start reading with verse 1. Matthew 5, and I'll start reading with verse 1. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching. So we'll put the words on the screen for you. Now, when he saw the crowds, meaning Jesus... He went up to a mountain and he sat down. And so his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying this. Blessed, well, let me just stop. I love the word. Don't you love the word blessed? I mean, I want to be blessed. You want to be blessed? Everybody wants to be blessed. Um, The word really means, oh, the blissfulness of the one, or oh, the peacefulness of the one, or oh, the joy of the one, or oh, the happiness of the one. And so he says, Oh, the happiness, oh, the joy, oh, the blissfulness, oh, the peacefulness of the one who is poor in spirit. Well, well, why is the one who is poor in spirit blessed? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me just say this to you. What is happening in the writing, the form that is being used is what we call synthetic parallelism. Synthetic parallelism is when the second line completes the first line. So... The person who is poor in spirit is blessed. Why are they blessed? Because the completion is theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So blessed or peaceful or happy are those who mourn. Why are they happy? Why are they blessed? Why are they peaceful? Why are they filled with bliss? Because they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. You see the pattern? Why are they blessed? Because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart. Why are they blessed? Because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so what we're going to focus on is verse 8. Okay, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What, what I'm about to do may feel a little awkward to you. I've struggled with it. But I think we should do it. I'm going to invite you at this moment to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Would you do that? And I want you to take a few moments to pray. And if you're okay with me guiding your prayer, here's what I would like for you to pray. Father, would you let me see my heart as you see my heart? Is my heart pure? Are there impurities in my heart? Is there sin in my heart? Are the desires there that I should not have? Do I stand before you blameless? And so that's what we're praying today, Father. Would you let us see our hearts as you see our hearts? 
in this time that we spend together in your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we're only preaching from one little verse this morning, let me just take some time to talk to you about the words in that one short verse. Um, the, word, the word that we translate pure, in, in the original language, in the Greek language, is kathros, kathros. And so it either means clean or it means pure. And sometimes it's translated both ways. So let me give you some examples in Scripture what that looks like, okay? Um, do you remember when Jesus died? And there was a guy whose name was Joseph from Arimathea, and he came to bury Jesus. And the Bible says that Joseph brought clean linens to wrap the body of Jesus in. And so the word that is used for clean when it describes the clean linens is that same word, katharos. And so it means like unstained or unsoiled, something that is clean. And so you find the word used in other places in the New Testament like this. The word, the word is often attached to the word gold and it's translated pure gold. And so you know how gold is put through fire and all the impurities are burned out. And when all the impurities are burned out, what do you have left? Nothing but gold. And so the same word, katharos, is used to describe gold that is pure. And so that's how it's used physically. But when you think about it ethically, it would refer to a person who has no desires that are corrupt. Or it would refer to a person who is innocent. Or ethically, it would refer to a person who is blameless. A person who is without sin. Or what sin that they have committed has been forgiven and it's in their past. Or a person without guilt. And so, if we pray that prayer together that we prayed a moment ago, I think we're really saying, Lord, would you let me see what my heart is like? Are there desires in my heart that are corrupt that shouldn't be there? Is there any sin in my heart that hasn't been forgiven? Is there guilt in my heart as a result of that sin? Do I stand before you innocent? Do I stand before you blameless? Have I allowed for you to create in me a clean and a pure heart? So I remember this guy whose name was Al, and Al had a heart attack, and I was his pastor. And so I remember running over to the hospital to see Al, and the news wasn't real good. He had some damage to his heart. In a few days, we realized that Al was going to live, but he was going to live with only two-thirds of his heart functioning. And so he would be limited in some of his activity. He wasn't going to be able to do everything he had been doing. And so one-third of his heart was not working at all. And so Al was a very kind man, and he was funny, and he tried to be positive about life. And so we were talking about the fact that only two-thirds of his heart was functioning. And so he looks at his wife, Elsa, and he says to Elsa in my presence, trying to be funny, he says, Elsa, if I ever look deep into your eyes and I say to you, Elsa, I love you with two-thirds of my heart. You've got to understand, that's all I've got. I mean, I don't have any more. And the reason we laugh at that, and you didn't laugh very loud, my timing must have not been very good, but the reason we laugh about that is because in, in our language, the word heart has double meaning. And so not only does it refer to this organ in our bodies that pump blood, but we also think about it as being the seed of our spiritual and emotional life. 
And so the same in the world that Jesus walked and functioned in, okay? The, the, the Greek word is cardia. And you can hear language in our English language that sounds similar like the word cardio. That's where we get the word cardio, cardia. So when we talk about getting our heart rate up, we talk about doing some cardio work. But it also had the meaning of being the seed of all spiritual life. The mind. The soul. The seed of passion. The seed of desires and thoughts. And so it's not uncommon, therefore, when we read through the Scripture that they talk about the heart like we talk about the heart. Let me give you a few examples where Jesus talks about the heart, okay? Let me give you one. It's also in the Gospel of Matthew. And these that I'm going to give you are all Jesus' words, and they're all given to us in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says this. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Here we go. Out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You, you, ever, you ever think to yourself, I don't know why I said that. You know what Jesus says? I know the answer. The reason you said that is because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I, I remember one night sitting at the dinner table with my mom and my dad and my brother and my two sisters. I was a junior high student. And my sister said a bad word. She slipped and said a bad word right there at the table. I didn't know if I should duck or what. I didn't know what was going to happen. I had never heard what we would call a bad word in my home in all the years that I lived there. My parents ran a pretty tight ship. My wife and I were talking last night at my house. The first time she came to visit me, she was telling my mom about somebody who was pregnant. And I remember looking at her like, you can't say that word in my house. <laughs> you know what we said? She was expecting. It sounded much better. And my sister at the dinner table says a bad word, much worse than the P word I just said. know what was going to happen. I mean, everybody just goes dead quiet. Nobody moves. We don't even, you, your mouth has got food. You don't even keep chewing. It was just, and, and I was amazed. My dad looks back at his plate and he takes another bite of food. And for the rest of the meal, all you could hear was the fork on occasion touching the plate. That was the only noise in the room. And everybody awkwardly left the table one by one. I remember saying to my mom, I remember saying to my mom years later, you guys didn't do anything when she said that. Nobody, nobody did anything. And I remember my mom says to me, what are you talking about? She said, we went to prayer. And I realized it wasn't just that my sister said a bad word at the dinner table. It was that my mom and dad realized that it was in her heart to say it. And my mom later said to me, I didn't know where she was in her life. I had no idea that's where her heart was. 
Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says something else in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter uh, 15. He says, out of the heart comes, listen at this, evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. All of that stuff comes out of the heart. I had dinner with this couple last night and and this one lady works not uh, for the law enforcement, but she Well, she works for them, but she is not law enforcement. She does translations. And she says to me, she says, I am so burdened for our society. There is so much stealing and so much killing and so much, you know, drug activity in our world. It's overwhelming to me. I don't know where it's going to end up. And you say, where does that come from? Where does all of this stuff come from? Where does lying and stealing and sexual immorality and slander and all of... Where does that come from? And Jesus... I got the answer. And Jesus says, every bit of that stuff, you know where it comes from? It comes out of the heart. And then in Matthew 22, Jesus says, you know what should come out of your heart? (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That's what should be coming out of your heart, love for God. I've been reading uh, the Old Testament with different urgency after we went through this series on text. And, and we're kind of doing something as a family. And, and, um, and so as we're reading, and, and you read kind of in a more rapid pace maybe than normal, what, what you do is you begin to recognize very readily themes that flow through the Old Testament. And it's, it's extremely helpful as you seek to know the heart of God and the mind of God. And so what you find out is that the people of Israel had this one huge temptation that they dealt with terribly. And it was following other gods. I mean, it was such an awful thing that they went through. They continued to worship other gods. It became such a big deal that here's what happens. As you read the Old Testament, you see this over and over and over and over and over again. Here's what you read. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Serve the Lord your God with all of your heart. Obey the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And what he is saying is quit worshiping other gods. Be single in your devotion. Be single in your focus. Worship God. Quit worshiping other stuff. All through the Old Testament. And so you read these verses like you find in Psalm 24 that you heard read this morning to you where where he says, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who can go to this holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in idols, other gods. And let me read you one other verse out of Ezekiel chapter 11, and here's what it says. It says, I will give them an undivided heart, and I'll put a new spirit in them, and I will remove from them their heart of stone, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Your hearts have gotten hard, and you begin to worship other gods, and I'm going to give you an undivided heart. A heart that is singly focused on God. And I will take that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. And so a pure heart in the mind of God as He interacts with the people of Israel is an undivided heart. 
That's what a pure heart is. And so in this form of synthetic parallelism where one line finishes the other, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Why are they blessed? Because they will see God. So what does that mean to see God? Let's talk about it for a few minutes, okay? I, um, I have a friend that I've made here since I've been living in Oklahoma City whose name is Mike Lloyd. And Mike has a business here in the Bethany area. And in the back of his business, he has this shop. And in the shop are these things that he collects. He loves to collect things. Things like old signs. So, so if I went out into, you know, a piece of property today and there's an old barn there... And, and leaning up against an old barn that's falling down, there's this sign that advertises gas or oil. I, I wouldn't know what it was worth. I would just probably kick it and say, look at that old sign. Not realizing that I'm kicking several, you know, thousand dollars. I wouldn't know. It's the same thing with art. Like, like for example, if I came into your home and you have this piece of art that's worth a couple of million dollars painted by one of the masters... I might get in my car to leave and say to my wife, wow, did you see that weird piece of art over their fireplace? They should go to Target and get something really nice to hang up there, you know? Because I just don't know great art. On the other hand, if I'm playing golf with somebody and a guy tees up a golf ball and he gets up with his driver and he swings and he hits the ball working it right to left about 320 yards and lands it in the middle of the fairway, I'm going to cross my arms and say... Now that is a piece of art right there. That's a work of art. Can I get a witness in the room? Amen. 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 It always amazes me when I get around somebody and no matter what's said, we hear one thing, but they hear inappropriate humor. I've always thought to myself, why do they hear that? So something's said and everybody else hears one thing, but they hear something that's inappropriate. So I've been thinking some, and I've come up with a phrase that I think is pretty good. It's profound. I crafted it myself, so you hang on and try to stay with me, okay? Do your best to keep up. Here it is. I believe that you can only see what you can see. I warned you. You can only see what you can see. And Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they, they will see they will see God. I know what he says. What does it mean? Uh, the word, the word that, that we're given is, is kind of a common word. It was horao and horao meant to see. And so it's like me standing up here this morning. When I started preaching, I looked out and what did I do? I saw some of you here and I saw some of you there. I couldn't see you guys in the middle. The lights weren't up. You look back at me, what do you do? You see me. And so that's what it means, literally, just to see. But it was also used figuratively, like a lot of our words are used. And we can actually hear this in our own language, because to the Greeks, to see also meant to perceive, or to understand, or to come to know. And so we say it to each other all the time, now what are you saying? Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. 
We don't mean that we physically see what you're saying with our eyes. We mean that we perceive what you're saying. We understand what you're saying. We come to know what you mean. And, and so you talk to me and I listen for a while and I say, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. And what I'm really saying is that I understand what you're saying. And so once in a while, I overuse the word I see. Somebody will be talking to me and I'll say, I see. Oh, okay, I see. I see. And some people say, Pastor Rick, when you say I see, that means you're not paying attention. And that is not true. Some of the time, that is just not true. That is just not true. So, so what does he mean? So think with me. You ready? Is it only this eschatological dimension that says, if I allow God to make my heart pure and I live to honor Him and serve Him with my life, one of these days I will die. And when I die, I will go to heaven. And when I get to heaven, I will behold God. I will see God. Because the pure in heart will see God. Or does he mean more than that? Is he possibly saying blessed are the pure in heart because it is the pure in heart who will come to know at a very intimate level, who will come to understand, who will work and grow and live their lives in relationship with the God who created everything? Is that what he means by seeing God? Because if I'm making a list of what I want to see before I die, I want to see God. I want to know God more. I want to experience God. I'm like Moses who said, I don't know if I should even ask this, but you've talked to me for years. Could I see your glory? I would like to peek. Moses, there's no way. You can't see my face and live. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand. When I pass by, I'll move my hand. You can see my back, my face. You cannot see and live. I feel like Moses this morning saying, Lord, all my life you have been there. You have spoken to me, but I want to see you. I want to know you more than I know you now. Give me a pure heart. So, so just for the sake of conversation, it seems to me that there's got to be a person or two in the room saying, Rick, this old heart of mine, this old heart of mine is far beyond ever becoming pure. I've done some things. I don't know how in the world God would ever make this old heart of mine pure. Let, let me remind you about King David. King David has an affair by committing adultery with a lady named Bathsheba. And to try to cover it up, he basically has her husband murdered. That's a pretty, that's a pretty hard old heart that King David is sporting around. But what do you find in Psalm 51? You find David on his knees. David, what are you doing on your knees? I'm talking to the Father. What are you saying to the Father? I'm saying to the Father, create in me a pure heart, O God. David, why are you asking God to give you a pure heart? Because I cannot make my own heart pure. 
Only God can make my heart pure. And so whatever it is that you believe about your heart, think about David's heart. And yet he knows that God can make his heart pure again. You know, um, on occasion, somebody says to me, Rick, you know, God's, God's moving. Um, I, I know of people who are, who are getting saved. And um, I know people who are, who are coming to church. And, and um, in my own life, God is doing this. And, and God's moving. Let me ask you, when we talk about spiritual renewal or, or a time of like revival in the life of a church, what, what more is it than God changing our hearts? I mean, isn't that what it is? Isn't, isn't that what spiritual renewal is in the life of the people of God? It's when God shows us what's in our hearts. And we say, God, there's stuff in my heart that should not be there. Give me a pure heart. And so that's what I believe God's doing among us. I believe God is changing our hearts. You know, sometimes on Sunday mornings I preach, and, and then I think it's good for us to respond to the Word of God by praying. Every morning when I read my Bible, I respond to the Word of God by praying. It's just something that's natural. And I often just kind of pray about what I read in the Scripture. And so I think that when we come together corporately, a great thing to do in response to the Word is to pray. Okay, God, you've spoken to me this morning through your Word, so I probably want to talk to you for a little bit. So why don't you stand with me for a minute, okay? And I'm going to just say this to you before we start singing together. It could be that you would say this morning, Rick, God has answered my prayer. And I've caught a glimpse of what's in my heart. And there's some things there that I'm not proud of. Some things that are not honoring God. And I want to pray for a pure heart today like David prayed for a pure heart. And so there's, there's mornings when I just kind of wonder if God's, you know, speaking clearly about what the sermon was about. But this morning, I believe God's talking to us. I think it's just the nature of the message that, that God is just speaking clearly to us through His Word. And I've got a feeling that there's several people in the room this morning who will say, I, I want to pray. I want to talk to the Father. And, and then I also want to invite others to come and pray this morning. If you're going through tough times, I, I was on my phone a lot this week, even though I was out of town, hearing about accidents that were happening, praying with people that had learned they had cancer. There's just a lot going on in the life of our church today. And maybe you're going through some hard stuff. Or you want to come and pray for some people who are going through some hard stuff. I don't ever want to forget that God is working powerfully in our lives and maybe you really want to come this morning and give God thanks for His blessings in your lives. You're free to come. The Word of God tells us that if you're sick, we should anoint you and pray for you. 
And so we'll have pastors here to anoint you with oil and pray for you. If you want to be prayed for healing this morning, please come. Just get the attention of one of the pastors or myself and we'll pray for you. I got a great card this week. It was a lady who said, I said to my husband, do you know that you would go to heaven if you died? Are you ready to meet Jesus? And he says, I don't know. Do you want to pray? I don't know how to pray that prayer. Do you want me to pray it with you? Yes. And she said, I prayed that prayer with my husband. And he accepted Jesus into his life and asked for forgiveness of his sins. She says in her card, Pastor Rick, do you realize I've been praying for him for 50 years? And last week he became a Christ follower. And maybe this morning there's somebody here saying, Rick, I want to become a Christ follower. I want to be forgiven of my sins. And you can come. And if you want to find one of us to pray with you, we would love to pray with you. Just nod for me or one of the pastors that's here. Man, this is a great song. Pray this prayer with me, will you? Clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to sometimes it's really good to linger and uh, I think this is one of those times and so there won't be a statement that says you're dismissed 
I think you'll just have to decide when it's time for you to go. And when that time comes, um, just leave quietly. People are going to be praying. And if you want to come down and pray, you're welcome to do that. But Kyle's going to lead us and we're going to worship. My feelings won't be hurt if you leave in just a moment. Um, But just leave as you're ready to leave, okay? Let's worship together and pray together for a while. been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.